Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football 365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, a, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to a very special At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Your number one source for all things Chelsea. You know exactly what this episode is going to be about. It's the Champions of Europe special. We promised it. We delivered. I can't believe it. We are Champions of Europe for a second time. Here are your very, very hungover hosts all the way from the UK. Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back everyone to a special Champions of Europe episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm your host, Mikey, and joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Berth and Chris. Chris? Chris, even. Uh, how are we, guys? Are we hungover or can't get our words out as I can't? Uh, I'm slightly hungover. I'm very, very happy still. I can't quite believe we're two-time champions of Europe. Bad. The feeling is absolutely incredible. I am buzzing still. Chris, I'm sure you're feeling the same. How are you? Uh, I, I still haven't come down from the high, I don't think. I've been so happy all day. So it's just, it, it's a feeling that you can't replicate in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, literally, we're going to go straight into the newsroom, see what exactly happened last night. So let's see what happened last night in Porto. Chelsea captain has it in his hands. He marches forward towards his teammates. Against all the odds, oh, Champions of Europe for a second time. Chelsea won, Manchester City nil. What a bloody feeling. I mean, honestly, I cannot believe we are doing this show right now because that wasn't lack of faith. <laughs> Ye of lack of faith. Oh, it's little faith in me. But the odds, they were stacked against us, you know. But but we did it again. Against the odds, the underdog, we did it again. Um, it's a bit of an off-the-wall episode because obviously we didn't really, we didn't expect to do a script or anything. But I'm sure that's what the listeners want, you know, how we feel and everything. How are we feeling after after that game? Now we've taken it in and soaked it in, really. I mean, like Chris said, I don't think I've quite come down from it yet. I mean, I was the last thirty minutes of the game last night was unbearable. I must admit. Oh, I mean, my heart was pounding. It, truly, it was. And then when Mares had the shot in the very yeah. last <laughs> of the game, you, you just thought, think, oh, no. God. And then uh, when that final whistle blew, the the feeling that I had, honestly cannot be replicated it's sort of just pure joy um it, it's certainly one of the, the best moments in my life i mean I talk about the one in munich being being right up there this one is also right up there just football means so much to a lot of people and it gets people through a lot of things and, and last night yeah. proved that you know football really is more than just a sport yeah i i, I can't i agree 100 um i'm also going to mention just in case she does listen i'm sure your wedding was number one yeah, of course. Just saying. My, wedding, my <laughs> wedding was number one, of course. Uh, uh, but but no doubt the Champions League wins are definitely a very close second and third. Absolutely madness. That Mares thing, I agree. When that went in, uh, well, when that ball came in, it's just one of those you think it's going to go in the corner, isn't it? We're gonna. It reminded me almost of the moment flashbacks to when we were against Bayern. I think it was Bayern in the Super Cup the following year. Yes. Yeah, and it was the last kick of the game, well, wasn't it? And, and Martin has equalised, and you just thought, I cannot believe this has happened again. But it, it reminded me almost of the Iniesta goal 
Oh. When it was just the last kick of the game, you just—if that Mara's goal would have gone in, you'd have just thought, it's yeah, you'd time. think the sway. Um, Chris, that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he put up seven minutes on the board, I, <laughs> even though I was expecting it because of all the the injuries and stuff, you still—it's the longest seven minutes of your life. Like you, you sit there and you're watching the seconds tick away, but they don't feel like seconds; they feel like minutes, and then. The the Mara shot, it was it was like time slowed down. Just is it gonna drop in that corner or not? You know, Mendy in goal, he he started to move and then just you could see just the hope on his face that it, it dropped over the bar. But ah uh, when when that went over, you thought, That's it now. We yeah. we we've done it and then you almost you're just waiting then for the final whistle to go. But uh, I don't know if it, it's so weird because I think whenever you watch a game as a neutral you can pretty much know when a game's done and when a team aren't going to score a goal. But when it's your team, like there was 15 seconds left and they had the ball at the back and I still thought they've still got a chance here. Even if it takes them longer than that to get it up the pitch. But you just, you're never, you're never happy are you, until the whistle goes. And then when it does, it's, it was almost disbelief to be, to be honest. I, I could, I couldn't believe, I never thought 2012 would happen again. No, I, I agree. When I watched that, I thought I'll never, I'll probably never see this again, because even though we're a big club, we spend lots of money. It's so hard to win the Champions League. You know, even Man United have only won it three times, and you think, you know, they had Alex Ferguson for like twenty-five years. Yeah. So it's so difficult to win, and it, so it was such a privilege to to be able to watch us lift it again. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's almost like we have to give special. Well, Liverpool seventeen, eighteen, and then they got back there again and lifted it the following season. That is not easy. It's not easy to just go to another Champions League final because you, you just don't know. There's so many variables. It, it, you have to have a bit of fortune on your side. I mean, I don't know what's more surprising, the fact that we are Champions of Europe again or Pep's starting eleven. Because when I didn't see Rodri or Fernandinho in the squad, I thought, well, in the, t- the starting lineup, I thought, has he overthought it again? Has he done a classic Pep? I mean, what did you think of the lineups? You know, I saw a stat earlier that, um, I don't know if you boys have seen it, but uh, there's only one game this season out of 60 where yeah. it hasn't started either Rodri or Fernandinho, and that was last night. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, crazy stat, but I, I think you're right. I think he did just overthink it. Um, it. It just played into Chelsea's hands. It played into someone like Mount's hands and Havertz's hands. And obviously, we, we saw the goal, obviously, last night, and it... You do just think that if maybe a Fernandinho or Roger was there, would the game have been different? Mm. Um, and I do just think that it, it was a strange decision from Pep and it just didn't work and it didn't come off. And it does seem as if at the moment that, that Tuchel has just got his number. I, I didn't think we'd beat them three times in, in one seven season. weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> and, and we haven't, you know, I, I don't think anyone would dispute that we were the better team last night as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't think that when I bought that Europa League scarf, the winner's scarf, the other, the other few days ago to uh, replace. I'm not going to go into this. Long story short, someone scammed me for this scarf. Yeah, whatever. I didn't think I'd be getting a Champions League winner's scarf again. Uh, it, it, I don't know why he went with Rodri and Fernandinho, though, without having them in the team. It, it didn't make much sense when I saw it, but that's his decision, whatever. Um, you, know, go on, Chris. Was, you know, I think it was. I think... We beat them twice, and they didn't really lay much of a glove on us. Like, probably the last 10 minutes of the first half of the game at the Etihad, 
they looked like they could have scored a couple of goals and they got the one and they got the penalty. But then, they, aside from that, they, they both both games they didn't really lay a glove on us. So when he put that team out, when I said the team, I thought what he's gone for is he's gone for Gundogan in in midfield with the other attacking players in there. It was Foden and who was the other one? Foden and Bernardo. Uh, Gundogan. Gundogan. He was in it. Yeah, I think and he went. Yeah. I think the idea might have been. I thought the idea anyway would be to get midfield runners to go in beyond beyond our our back three and try and stretch us. Mm. But but he Gundogan actually played as a holding player and he's terrible at it. So oh yeah, I I, I really don't under I could have understood the thinking if he'd gone like almost full on attack and tried to get runners behind our defence to cause us more problems. But he actually just opted for playing Gundogan as a holding player. It's almost like he didn't want to leave Gundogan out, so he just found a way of putting him in, even though it didn't really suit the game or the system. I think that's what a bit might have been what it was, because he said, didn't he, uh, in his press conference before, about he had some really tough decisions to make with his team, because it, it, there was players who deserved to play, and he didn't want to leave them out. And I think Gundogan was one of them. I don't think he really wanted to play him, but he couldn't leave him out, so he just dropped Rodri and um, Fernandinho instead. I mean, we don't even know if he was fully fit because he limped out of training, I think, a couple of days. Yeah. Before, or was it two days mm. before the final? Yeah, uh, he was a real uh, doubt, weren't he? I mean, I don't even think. I pulled up some stats today about how many times he's played CDM. Um, it's not often. You know, he's, 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 he's played the role, but that's not his best position. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's that sort of central mid. I mean, he's played over like nearly 300 games as a central mid. It, it benefited us. I mean, you can only take on what you're playing. I mean, but looking at the team, though, overall, Reese James was absolutely sensational. Uh, I mean, the whole back five put in a shift. I mean, you know, Chilwell and Reese, obviously, they handled Sterling and Mares, completely nullified them. Silva, Christensen, Rudiger and Aspilicueta, when they were on the field, they were immense. I mean, Reese James, special mention for this. I mean, he shut Sterling down. I mean, dude, I mean... He should be worried about facing Sterling, um, but he provided nothing. Sterling didn't provide a threat because he couldn't due to how Reese James was. I mean, it makes me think when we go to talk about that in future episodes, he's got to be a first name on that Euro 2020 England team sheet because he was outstanding. It's crazy that, you know, I've watched a lot of build-up on Sky Sports about the Euros and a lot of pundits and a lot of journalists have been saying that, you know, Reese James would be the right back of their leave out, but... I don't know how you can after last night. I think over the course of the season, I just don't know how you can leave him out. I think he's been... I mean, last night was the best I've ever seen him play. I think defensively, it was, it was a 10 out of 10 performance from him. I don't think I've ever seen him defend as well. All right, he didn't go forward as much. But I think defensively, it's one of the best right-back performances I've actually ever seen. I mean, for someone so young against Raheem Sterling, who is a very, very, very good player, Sterling didn't get you know, any sort of chances at all. I think there was one time where Edison put it over the top, but Reese made a great recovery tackle and, you know, nullified him for the whole game. So for me personally, yeah, Reese James is unbelievable and I think he should should start the Euros because he at the moment I think he's ahead of Kyle Walker, definitely. Defensively he's much better than Trent Alexander Arnold. And I, I do just think he's better all round than Kieran Shippier. So for me, I I'm not gonna say it's an obvious choice, but I think he should start. Yeah, I, I I do think he is. He should be England's starting right back. I think he's got both sides of his game. I think that's the difference between him and some of the others. Some of the others are good going forwards, but not backwards. 
and Trippier's probably better defensively than he is going forward. He's got a good dead ball delivery, Trippier, but going forward in open play, he's he's okay, but he's not great. But defensively, he's quite solid. And I think James is sort of a mixture of all of all of the others put together into one. Um, I, I I do think he was he was superb. There, there was a couple of times he got caught out positionally and had to make those recovery tackles. But that's how you know you're having a great game when you can make those recovery tackles. I actually think Chilwell was just as good though up against. Yeah, Chilwell. Mar- it's the link-up play with Mount as well. Yeah, and and I do think as well Chilwell was up against Mares, who is a player in form. Raheem Sterling is not in form. I mean, he, if we're talking yeah, about missing out on the Euros, Raheem Sterling should be one who shouldn't be going to the Euros. He's he's had an awful end to the season. He hasn't had a very good season in total, but the end of the season especially, he's been terrible. And But Mares has been sort of City's go-to player in the last few weeks, especially in the Champions League. And Chilwell just gave him nothing. Chilwell, I think, is the first left-back I've seen against Mares who didn't let him come inside on his left foot once. He always showed him down the line. And, you know, we've had Marcus Alonso before uh, against Mares, and he's let him inside too easy because mm. he scored a couple of goals past us in other games. But Chilwell, just kind of more understated, I thought, than, than James's performance. I think James had more standout moments. Yeah. But Chilwell was, was just more solid in terms of just did the basics very well that most people wouldn't pick up on. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's the thing with Alonso. We, he's, he's done a, a good service to the club and he's actually been, I know people laugh at him, but he's actually scored some crucial important goals. But yeah. he has a habit of being caught out all the time. And it's. I know it's easy. We're not professional footballers, but you think it's so obvious. If you, It's like Iron Robin. You would never let him cut on the inside onto his left foot. You know what's going to happen. Mares isn't quite Robin levels, but you know if he cuts in on his, his favourite foot, you're going to be in with a, a potential goal. You're going to concede a goal, potentially. And Fair play to Chilwell. Didn't let it happen. Sterling, yeah, he's well out of form. I mean, he'll probably go to the Euros because it's it's Sterling, but he question marks there with that. I mean, it's, it's how I saw this game. I mean, sometimes good teams become champions. Sometimes champions start great teams. It's mad, but this could be the making of a dynasty. I mean, it's a big big statement that is but in 2012 the likes of John Terry Lampard Drogba were ending their careers this feels like the start of something yeah yeah I, t- I totally agree I think it's it sort of almost like our um our coming out sort of party for like players like Mount Reese James Chilwell Havertz obviously scoring the winner they will now build on this and a few more signings obviously not like the best we probably aren't the best team in Europe we are officially now oh 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 well we have the trophy. Well, yeah. I mean, we are officially actually the best team in Europe. But on paper, I don't think we I think we're still sort of lacking a few in a few areas. But I think, you know, for a lot of these players, they'll want to build on this. And we'll only get better. And I think you know, next year, I think we, we can genuinely really challenge for the Premier League. And, and again, in Europe and FA Cups and, and League Cups, they will come. But I think these players will, this moment will only spur them on. I really believe that. Yeah, I think it was important and really crucial for this squad to get over that hurdle of winning a final. I think Mount said it in his interview after that he played two finals for Chelsea and lost both. Oh, yeah, of course, if it comes. Yeah, so I think it was important for this squad. When you've got young players, the earlier they can win something, the better. That's how you stay away from the, you know, the Tottenham 
bottler tags you have to get that first one and it's always the hardest one to get but they did it in the biggest club football game that, that there is so they've already reached like the pinnacle of club football and some of them are 21 22 23 you know it's quite incredible to think that i'm i'm sure that this group of players having experienced it last night will want to more it's more and more it yeah and it, I'm, it should drive them on and give them that confidence to say that we are a team that can when we when we're on it we can beat anybody yeah i, I mean the goal was quality you know it came the quality was also came from mount picked out the pass probably there may not be another player you could say ziek but a player that's able to make that pass as well for kai Havertz, who kept yeah. his composure was cool got the ball through under edison and slotted it home and for a 72 million pound player fair play you know when he was, i was watching him last night and he was like fuck it yeah yeah 100% the best word you can come across because you know you get that tag and he's just sort of thought you know what i've ju- i just want to play my game i want to be the player i know i can be forget the tags forget the prices and he showcased that i mean he's paid that back instantly we we say about the torres situation with 50 million when he scored that goal in the new camp he paid that back in bundles we were like done worth the money I think Havertz paid back his seventy-two million pound price tag last night. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's a terrific goal. And I actually thought he was fantastic, and he has been fantastic for a, a good couple of months now. I, th- I think he's one that has improved under Tuchel. Now that we've sort of found his best position in this false number nine, I think he will be one to watch next season for sure because I think he can become sort of elite level player. And we'll be talking about him being like sort of maybe a guy of the season for. For the Premier League next season, because I do think he's got the potential to be world world class. Mm. I mean, a little middle shout out before I go on to the real man of the match. But uh, referee, I, I was he was he was brilliant. I mean, he was good, clear with decisions. He didn't fall for any tricks diving. Uh, he was commanding. I felt that he was unbiased, even though if it would have lost, I'd have said the same. I didn't feel there was anything that I felt where it went one side or the other. I mean, we, we've complained a lot about the officials this year, but outstanding yeah yeah he was good i mean it was a bit shithousery for me how he books rubiger um <laughs> i think he sort of that was one for the uh for the cameras but you know yeah it's good to play a final we're not knowing about var mm. not knowing about a refereeing decision I, I agree with you i think he, he ref the game very very well Um i think it's always good with a ref when you don't really mention him or don't, don't really notice him and that's not you know you didn't really notice the ref was there you know you let the game flow and and credit to him, and it just shows that you know you, there are some good refs about. Yeah, it was an unfortunate clash that was. Obviously, the De Bruyne, uh, Rudiger thing, and obviously hearing about it, he's got a fractured eye socket and nose. Obviously, wishing him the best, and hopefully he's at the Euros and showcases his incredible ability because he is one of the best, if not the best, midfield playmakers in the world. So, you know, you don't want anyone to miss any game time, especially ahead of a major European tournament. So, fingers crossed on that. Um, so the special mention, well, man of the match uh, for the semi-finals, both games and the final, oh, N'Golo Kante, he deserves that trophy so much. And uh, can we say that he might just be in with a shout of the Ballon d'Or this year? I mean, Chris, I, I'm going to ask you a question here. It's a multiple choice question. Okay. Out of the three of us, <laughs> who said we should sell N'Golo Kante for £100 million? Was it A, Burr, Oh. B, Chris Adams or C, Mikey. Mm. Uh, I, I think it was Mikey Burr. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's fair. You are that, correct. You are I, correct on that one. You have won the prize. 
At the end of the day, there's a reason I have the Alan Hansen Award for dreadful. It was it was all it was dreadful. I mean, he was a mate. I mean, the only competition that he hasn't won majorly in football is the Euros. And I think if he does win it this summer with France, you can't say that he doesn't deserve the Ballon d'Or. I mean, obviously he got Lewandowski, but Kanté will have had got the Euros under his belt. He got a Champions League. Uh, he's been outstanding in the big games. He's absolutely ridiculous. You know. I mean, Sorry to interrupt, but last night, yeah, I mean, he was absolutely unbelievable. I, it, it's ridiculous how someone <laughs> who comes across N'Golo Kante is so nice, so humble, goes around in a mini and put in <laughs> such a monster performance like that. I mean, I mean you talk about Reese James having Raheem Sterling in his pocket, but, you know, N'Golo Kante had Bernardo oh, Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, Aguero when he came on, Jay-Z when he came on. He had everyone in his back pocket and he just kept running and running and breaking up the play and you know it, I, I was doing someone last night about it who watched it with and I always said that for me now that Kante has surpassed Michael Ali for Chelsea he's surpassed Michael yeah. Estienne mm. for me he's, he has to go down as one of our greatest midfielders in, in my opinion because he's been absolutely unbelievable for us and he's won everything now well Michael you know they had the position named after him but you couldn't do that with Kante. You, we, I know it's always in the Makaleli role, but the, no one's going to be able to play the Kante role because it's he's amazing. You know, hit rate for tackles, sensational. He's got the energy. And he uh, also plays three different positions pretty much. He plays yeah. like more than just a holding role. You know, it's a myth that he's just a defensive mid because he just he's absolutely everywhere. I mean, his heat map. I would love to see it last night because it must have been all over the pitch. He was just. He's got that, yeah, he's got the speed with him about the ball, you know, he's always looking at where the ball's going to be, works it out, and he just takes the best path, and he gets the ball back, and he's absolutely sensational. And you're right, he man-marked probably all six of the attacking players for City. I mean, what were your thoughts on that performance, Chris? The year Leicester won the league, Kante put in some unbelievable performances, and then we signed him under Conte, and he was, I mean, he walked into our team, and he turned us into almost single-handedly turned us into title winners. He was unbelievable. And he's been so consistent ever since. And then he started to get those little injuries. And I think at the time, Mikey, when you made your ridiculous comment, <laughs> I think there, would, there was a large portion of the fan base, though, who would have agreed with you because he was struggling to get fit. And then when he was fit and he was playing, he wasn't reaching those levels that he, he had been previously. But since Tuckle come in, and I think he's gone back to his best position, not as a holding player, but as a player who can, he's almost told, just go and win the ball back. It doesn't matter on the pitch, where, wherever it is on the pitch, just go and read the game and, and win the ball back wherever you can. And that's Kante's best position because he has this incredible ability to be three and four moves ahead of the opposition and he's always just in the right place to pick up that pass, make the interception, make the tackle. Then he drives us forward with with those runs. You know, his ability dribbling with the ball is actually undervalued. His passing still needs some work, but his ability to dribble the ball and drive us up the pitch, he is incredible at that. And he has put in some monster performances for us, but I thought last night was his best game he's probably ever had in his career, but certainly his best game ever for Chelsea. Yeah. So he, did, he didn't put a foot wrong all night. If it was there to be won, he won it. If it was there to be intercepted, he intercepted it. He never gave a pass away. 
he made the right decisions when he was driving the ball forward and then looking for passes to the forwards. It was an absolutely immaculate performance in such a big game. And, you know, that's why we said on the podcast on, on Friday that he had to start. And if he goes and wins the Euros, I tweeted earlier about if he played for Barcelona, Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, he would definitely be in contention for the Ballon d'Or. But oh, God, 100%. That competition is so heavily favoured to those three teams that other people don't get a look in. You know, Luka Modric is finishing third in the Ballon d'Or, but N'Golo Kante has been as good, or in my opinion, better than Luka Modric for the last three, four years. And he doesn't get anywhere near it. He's, he's won everything you can possibly win now except the Euros, which he's got a good chance of doing this summer. And even if he doesn't, he's still got to be up there. He is one of the best midfielders of his generation. Yeah, um, it's as simple as that. I mean, the only other player I feel that could rival him for the Ballon d'Or for 2021 is Lewandowski. You know, yeah. broke Gerdmuller's record, outstanding season again. Probably should have had the Ballon d'Or last season if it wasn't obviously for the FIFA cancelling it. Yeah. There's only him to rival him. I mean... Coming off of last season, obviously he had eight separate injuries. You know, he had a knock, a sprained ankle. I've just pulled it up now, a hamstring, another knock, groin, hamstring, muscle, hamstring. And it impacted him significantly, you know. And my opinion's in hindsight hilariously bad. And I'm glad it is because he's come back and just shown again what a player he is. And he's worth more than the £30 million we'd certainly paid for him. Uh, moving on, nine years ago, Eden Hazard said, I'm signing for the European champion. Who do you think will be saying that this summer? Because does this win change anything in terms of attraction to our club? You know what? I was actually thinking about this earlier. It'd be quite funny if, obviously, there's been this talk about Hazard coming back. It'd be quite funny if he said again, I'm signing <laughs> for the European champions. Because it's just, you know, um, I do think it will sort of, because um, I, I don't think we would have signed Hazard if we didn't win the Champions League last time. So I think it does definitely appeal to people more now that we are European champions again. Um I don't think it'll mean we're signing Mbappe. I don't think it'll mean we're signing Lewandowski. But I think it, it's certainly more attractive playing for the European champions than the runners-up in the Champions League, put it that way. Yeah, um, it puts us in the fort in the front for signing Willian. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Willian's got to be interesting now. <laughs> yeah, as well. I mean, I'll let Chris talk about Willian. But yeah, I do, I do think that, you know, for someone like maybe like a Haaland, you'll think, oh, well, that would be a good move for me to make now. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that it will attract more people now. Um, whether we sign them or not, I don't know. But it's definitely more attractive being the European champions, for sure. Yeah, I think it's that thing, isn't it, where players look at the most recent, what, what you've done recently. They don't care whether you won the league four years ago. They They want to know what you've done in the last one or two seasons. And when you look at the age of our squad and now under Tuchel, who seems to be getting the best out of this squad. If you was a player and, and you know, the club contacted you and, and then you spoke to Tuchel, you'd look at our team and the age of it. They've become European champions in their early 20s. Barring anything drastic, these players are only going to get better. Mm. So there's, there's no reason why this squad couldn't go and do it again. You know, next year, the year after, the year after that, they're still going to be in like the the prime of their careers. I think the one person it, it would make a difference to now if we wanted to go and get them, I think would be Harry Kane. I think Harry Kane would have gone to Man City and might still go to Manchester City. 
I think it was Paul Merson who said, if Harry Kane wants to go and win trophies, the only club that he could go to where you're guaranteed to win something is Manchester City. And I disagree with that. Chelsea will always win trophies because the owner settles for nothing less. People didn't agree with sacking Lampard and I understood why people didn't want it to happen. They wanted the project and Lampard was a legend, but the owner doesn't work that way. He doesn't work on settling for being second best. If you want to go to a club who guarantees you to win something, it's Chelsea. We've won the most trophies out of any club in the last 10 years. And you, you just know that if it started to go wrong with Tuchel, he'd be gone. And then someone else would be brought in. And they, they'd keep doing it. And they keep improving the squad. And they keep getting the managers in until one of them falls right and we win something. And that's how the owner works. So if you're Harry Kane and you're thinking, I want to go somewhere where I know for a fact I'm going to win trophies, I think it's Chelsea. Because if, if he, he could go to Manchester City for one year, and maybe that year they don't win the league, they'll probably win the the Carabao Cup again because I don't know what the point of that competition is, to be honest. The Man City Cup. They'll, the Manchester City Cup. They'll probably win that again. Pep can't win the FA Cup full of no money anyway. Are they going to win the Champions League? You know, it's so difficult to do. They've got the squad, but will they do it? They could easily have a year where they don't win the league and then Pep could leave. And then you don't know what's going to happen at Man City because the, yeah. they, haven't, they haven't been through it. Where at Chelsea, you know for a fact, if we get to December next year and the team's sixth in the league and no, nowhere near winning anything, Tuchel will be gone and another manager will be brought in and we'll probably go on and win some at that year because that's how the club operates. Yeah. So if you're Harry Kane, you're thinking... If I want to go and win some, I'll go to Chelsea because they guarantee success because the, the owner works on trophies and trophies alone. Yeah, he's ruthless and it's proven it's proven I mean, it's proven that it works. I mean, irrelevant of whether we like it or dislike it. You know, we sacked a manager uh, halfway through a campaign in 2011-2012, lifted two trophies, Champions League and the FA Cup. Then we did it again, won the Europa League. Did it again, we've won the Champions League. And this was a club legend as well, who was obviously at the helm. Whether you feel it was the right move or the wrong move, it doesn't matter. The point was, it works. Yeah. I mean, it's mad. It's mad, but it works. Um, with you saying that, how do you feel this changes our rebuild, our team in transition project? Because in six months, we have seen obviously a totally different side mature-wise and defensively, and we've just lifted the biggest trophy in club football. Is it now about the league? Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, like I said earlier, I think there are still areas for improvement. I still think, obviously, maybe an actual like defensive mid to come in. Maybe like a Declan Rice, someone like that. There's always going to be the rumours about a new striker. With Havertz playing the way he is, do we need one? That's still up for debate. Possibly a new centre-back, but, you know, the league is the next step. I think, you know, if we get a few new additions, if we get a signing that will make sure we kill games off. I think there's no reason why we can't win the league next season with the team and the core that we have got now and the manager that we've got. There is no reason why we can't kick on from this and win the league next season. I think I need to shut up about Declan Rice because I st stood by the, ah, oh, we don't need him. He might come in and make us unlimited. We just might be un unstoppable. Trevor I, mean, me, I, I, yeah. I think Declan Rice is fantastic. I do think he's fantastic. Look, if you don't think he's that good or you don't rate him, that's fine. It's, it's not that I don't think... rate him. It's the fact that the fee involved seems very, very steep. Yeah, look, look for English players, the fee is always going to be very steep. And I, I mm. see why people want to shy away from him. But 
We've got Ben Chilwell for 50 million, which people thought that's quite steep, but he's come in, been fantastic. I just think we need a bit more discipline in that midfield area, that defensive midfield area, when, when Kante isn't there. And I think Declan Rice is perfect for that. Because I just know that he will hold and he'll, he'll hold his um, position and he'll break up the play and it would be fantastic there. But, you know, you know, people's opinions are different. If, if you think there'll be someone else or somewhere else to improve, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, Chris? Uh, I think the club have got... I think the last night, if anything, just makes it more difficult, the the, the sort of the summer plan. Because <laughs> the problem that we've got, I think, in this system that we're playing now, the, the back three, the midfield two, the wing backs, and then the three sort of number tens, it's it's working and it suits a lot of our players. If if Tuchel was to say to the board, this is the formation I want to stick with, then I really don't know where you would say we definitely need to improve. I, I think maybe a midfielder, a more creative midfielder to come in alongside Kante. I would personally like to see someone who can make more consistently good forward passes and maybe has a little bit more vision in terms of finding passes that other players can't see. You look at the striking situation and, and you know, you would say yes, but then we've got to be careful that we don't then start giving Mount Havertz too much time out of the team to, to accommodate a number nine. It It's so difficult. I think... It'll all depend on what, what Tucker wants to do. I think if he wants to change formation, he wants to play a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, which I think will probably be better, then I think a centre-back and then the centre-forward, because then you can play Havertz as a number 10 in behind and you can play Mount on one side, Werner on the other. You've still got that that double pivot that Tucker seems to like with Kante and then maybe another in there maybe still that that creative player like I said I just think it'll all boil down to what Tuckle's plan is going into next season what shape he wants to play but we're not a million miles away from from a title challenge we just need more consistently more consistency sorry from our forward players in terms of chance creation and chance conversion and then just a change in mentality when we're not the underdog. We seem to thrive when we're not meant to win. And we struggle when we are meant to win. If, if we can get over that mental block when we're playing the lesser teams, I really don't think we're a million miles away. And I wouldn't bat, I wouldn't bet against Tucker winning the league with the squad as it is now if we could get over that mental block and win the games that we're meant to. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, I think Premier League is going to be the, obviously the the next. It's it's so surreal because obviously when you get this is the pinnacle. That's where you want to get to is to win a, the European trophies, the Champions League, and we've done it in six months again. It's it's uh, we got AVB in for the exact purpose of building a dynasty, sacked him, and then won it with Di Matteo. So it was a head scratching moment. Like oh, we've done it. But all I can say at the moment is we just enjoy the moment. It was it's an incredible feeling and you know, commiserations to City. We've been there ourselves, losing it the worst way possible in the rain in Russia on penalties. Um we were the better team over ninety minutes. We've been incredible in this Champions League run. We haven't had it easy. Uh, and some amazing stats as well. We conceded four goals throughout the whole tournament. Yeah, that is mental. Crazy. 
we lost one game, which was in the 90th minute to an absolute galazzo of a goal from Porto. Other than that, what an incredible campaign in the Champions League, considering how hit and miss our league performances were. When, when it mattered in the big competition, we, st- we stepped up, we won, and we showed our class. And again, Edouard Mendy, another outstanding improvement to the side, Thiago Silva, who I'm sure when he went off injured, we all started to go, oh, yikes. But he turned into prime Cristiano Ronaldo at the uh, Euro 2016, and he was on the sideline cheering us on. And it, overall, what a beautiful moment to be uh, a Chelsea supporter. And we, I'm sure we all agree when we say, when I say, I can't believe we're doing this podcast saying we're the second time European champions again. It's, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. The feeling, you can't get bored of this feeling. You really can't. It's just pure sort of joy, pure happiness. And it, like I said, football to a lot of people is just more than just a sport. And last night proved that, you know, it, it really is. It does make a lot of people so, so happy. And last night was one of the best feelings you could ever, ever have being a football fan. 100%. And hopefully we don't go on with the Europa League next season and do what we did back uh, in 2012-13. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Not. We don't want to do no. that. Um, with that, we've come to the end of this special episode. So we've, we've a quick 105 episodes already. Up. Yeah, uh, social media plug. So where can we all be uh, found? Um, on Twitter, I'm at Chris Burford. And on Twitter, I'm at Chris09Adams. And you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram as that redhead do, but for all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and of course YouTube by searching for exactly that at the Bridge Pod. You can drop us a like, a follow, a subscribe, keep up to date on all things Chelsea. Thank you for listening. Have a great enjoyment of the just enjoy the moment, fans. It, it's it, it's so rare to win this trophy, and it's so special. Some of you maybe join us for the first time. Obviously, nine years ago, it's quite a long time for some some younger generation of fans for us it's our second time it's incredible hopefully there's we're not going to wait another nine years for our third european crown so till next time that is us signing off